talking with Bucky Dent, hero of the 1978 World Series MVP, batted 417. Uh, but before that, uh, the fateful game, number 163, up to Boston. Uh, I, I've heard you say, Bucky, in the past, that that game you felt the most pressure in playing under the Yankees. Oh, absolutely. I mean, a one-game playoff, uh, you know, going into the, you know, the last day of the season, Boston, New York, you know, the history, the tradition, um, all the things that, uh, you know, uh, went with the, you know, big holiday, seemed like the whole world stopped to watch that game. So that was the most pressure game I ever played in. And, and building up to that, you weren't there in 76, but the fight in 76 with Bill Lee and Pinella coming home and Carlton Fisk, there was a buildup. Uh, it was a hot summer. The Yankees won the division by a lot of games that year in 76 and 77. You go to the World Series. It was a dogfight in the AL East between you, the Orioles, and Red Sox. And then in 78, there was, you know, the Red Sox had a big lead, 14 and a half games. And then you had that great series up in Boston. You, you, you took four games. So this is really the culmination of the pressure in that series. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, you know, 78 was such a magical year, you know. I mean, the way it, way it all turned out, you know, uh, Boston started the season out. They were playing 750 baseball, and, you know, we had a lot of guys hurt. And, you know, uh, we started to get healthy, got catfish back. You know, of course, Gidry was the main stay of our pitching staff, you know, having that great Cy Young year. And then, you know, uh, as we got healthy, we started putting together three, four wins in a row. We started to get close. And we felt if we got to September, we could catch him. And talk about that year. Okay, you talk about that year, and you started out, and Billy Martin, well, he resigned midseason for that. So there was a lot of turmoil going on. Uh, the, the feeling was then that when Martin was when you left, that you had guys had a new manager coming in, Bob Lem, and he was just going to let you guys play. Yes, and, and, I, and I think that that was a big, big factor of us uh, going ahead and winning. Plus, this, you know, the, the papers went on strike, so... Uh, there was nothing negative being written. So, you know, Bob came in and said, listen, you guys were world champions last year. Just relax, concentrate, go play. And that's what that team did, you know. Uh, the one thing about that 78 team was, you know, they, they had so much character. We had won the year before, and everybody knew how to do it. It was just a matter of fact of getting everybody's concentration, focusing on baseball, getting healthy. And, uh, you know, we had the confidence that, like I said, if we got to September, we played them seven times. We had a chance we were going to catch them. And Gidry, an, an amazing year by Ron Gidry. I mean, simply incredible. Finishes the year twenty-four and three, and that and that one game playoff he won that to finish the year twenty-five and three. Talk about playing behind him that year. Well, he was phenomenal. I mean, he was just electric. And I think you know that's the first year where people would start clapping and standing up and cheering when he got two strikes. You know, because he was just he was just electric. His stuff was electric and. Uh, you know, he had, uh, it was so much fun playing behind him because, you know, you knew every fifth day that he took the mound that you were going to win. And, and of course, the, your teammate there, uh, Catfish Hunter. Catfish was hurt in 77. It looked like his career was going to come to an end. And then he really turned it around there for, for a great second half, and he pitched big down the stretch. Yeah, they did some kind of manipulation on his shoulder with a steel ball. And when he came back, I think he reeled off like five in a row. But Catfish was one of the most uh, class uh, professional pitchers and guys that I've ever been around. He was one of my favorite people. He was just tremendous competitor. He took the ball and, you know, uh, 
he was a guy that was going to go out there with the mindset that he was going to give you nine innings or ever how many innings it took to win the game. And talk about the guy behind the plate that passed away the following year, Thurman Munson. How, how important was he to that team? I mean, he was the captain. That says it all. But, but you know, tell me something that the fans don't know about Thurman. Well, Thurman was grit. And, you know, Thurman really was, was really, you know, his persona was he was this tough guy, you know, and, you know, uh, and stuff like that. But he was a family guy. He was a great teammate, a tough, tough competitor. And, you know, he played hurt. I mean, you know, uh, uh, he made guys play hurt because he played hurt. He was banged up all the time, but a great competitor, uh, uh, a great leader, and uh, just a, a guy that I love playing with. And in your estimation, what was a turning point in the 78 season? Was it Billy Martin resigning and Bob Lemon taking over? Was it obviously, I mean, you guys cut the cut down to four games and had the four games up in Boston and you swept that series. And I don't think you guys hit a home run that whole series too in Boston in September. Um, I, I think there's a combination of things. You know, we started to get healthy and then, of course, Billy resigned. Bob came and uh, kind of calmed everybody down. There was no negative things being written because the papers were on strike. So I think there was a combination of a lot of things that, that helped, you know, us going down the stretch. Uh, we started to close the gap. You know, we picked up a game pretty much a, a week uh, going down the stretch. And then, like I said, when we got to September, we played them seven. We swept them four, went back home, beat them two out of three. But, you know, you got to give the Sox a little bit of credit. You know, they won their last seven games and – we got beat the last day and, and, and had to go up there and play a one-game playoff. Uh, going to the stadium over the years and talking to the players at Old Timers Day, I remember Gidry saying, you know, we were just nasty. We, we fought with each other, but we didn't like the boss. I mean, now, years later, as years pass, a lot of people respected George Steinbrenner so much, but we, we didn't like the boss. You know, talk about that, that intensity the team was able to play with and, and the controversy that came from the field through the, through the manager's office up, up to George Steinbrenner. Well, those guys I've always said they were they were characters with character. You know, we had a lot of you know different characters on the team, personalities. You know, that clashed a little bit. But the one thing that I can say, and Gedry will probably tell you, is that when they went between the lines, they went to win. And you, and, and if you didn't bring your game to win out there, somebody was going to say something to you. You know, on the bench or, or on the bus or someplace that you know you you went out there. They they were winners and they wanted to win. And you better bring your game every day. And, and you know, they were tough. They, uh, they loved to win. Uh, they were tremendous competitors. And, you know, as far as the boss, look, you know, a lot of, went, a lot of things went on back then. But, you know, George Steinbrenner was a great owner. You know, he's the one that put those teams together, brought us back, brought the Yankees back to where they were when we won our first championship in 77. And, uh, you know, he was a, he was a tremendous owner. And, and take us up to the day of the game, of course, the famous coin toss. Uh, you know, Al Rosen lost the coin toss, and Steinbrenner got upset with him because uh, he, he picked heads, and 75% of the time, tails comes up. Uh, talk about you know, you know, knowing that you're going to have to go up there and play the game the day of. You know, take, us, take us into to what went on getting ready to go up there and the, and the bus ride up there. Or did you fly up there? Oh no, we flew. But you know, when we lost the last day, you know, I never forget walking. I, up the I was, I, I was at that game. I was at that game actually. Yeah, yeah. you know, Catfish, uh, you know, Rick Waits beat us, and we saw that the, you know, Tion and shut out Toronto, and you know, but you know, the the one thing you know with that team was, hey, you know, nothing phased them. You know, we had Gidry. Gidry was ready, and he was pitching on short days rest, but you know, 
uh, it never dawned on us that, that we were going to lose. You know, uh, it was always, you know, uh, we're just going to go up there and beat them, go on and, you know, win another World Series. That was their mindset. And you, you talk about the toughness and, and having character people. Look, the Royals were a tough team in 77. You beat the Dodgers in 77 and just to get through the Red Sox. I mean, that Dodgers team in 77 you beat was stacked, too. So you talk about the character of the team. Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers had a really good team. Look, back then there were some really good baseball teams. Red Sox, Yankees, Royals, you know, the Dodgers. I mean, all those teams were really good teams. And, you know, you had to... You had to play to beat those teams, and uh, uh, you know. But you know, we just had that chemistry and that mindset that you weren't going to beat us. So in October, that one game playoff, it's a sunny New England afternoon. Gidry on the mound against Mike Torres, and people forget Mike Torres won two games for you guys in '77. Did him being on the team help you guys? Did Munson have any tips on how to face him at all? So when you came to the plate in, in that seventh inning, do you have any idea what he might throw? You know what? You face a guy, you know, he pitches for you. He was our teammate. He was a, a, a great competitor. Like you said, won some big games. He won game six in the World Series, you know. Uh, um, you know, and I faced Mike, you know, over the years when he was with Baltimore and, and Oakland. And, uh, yeah, you have an idea how he was go- how he's going to pitch you. Sure. Okay, so let's let's talk about the game itself. Yastrzemski hits that home run. Uh Red Sox are up two to nothing. Uh, as the game's going inning by inning, and the Red Sox are up, are you starting to feel the pressure more and more with every out? Oh, sure. You could feel the electricity from the first pitch of the game. You could feel the electricity, and then we got behind, and and you could feel the the crowd, the intensity of the crowd, the intensity of the game. You know, the magnitude of the game each inning as it started to build. Yes, you could you could feel that. We saw in last year's playoffs and the Astros players actually admitting they were rattled by the Yankee Stadium crowd in the ALCS. What kept you guys from getting rattled in that position? We, we you know, we'd won it. We'd won before. You know, I mean, we'd we'd won a World Championship before the year before, and we we knew how to do it. And uh, you know, uh, we had a lot of guys that had won championship before. You take Catfish. You take Reggie. You know, you take guys like that, and then the year before, and then of course the Yankees had been in it in '76 and got and got beat. But so you know, you you just learn to to you know kind of focus and 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 put all that that stuff out of your mind when when the game's on. When, when you're sitting on the bench now, I mean, was there a guy that kept the guys loose, or everybody was just focused? They knew they knew what they had to do. Like you talked about, they knew how to win. You, no one had to say well, anything. Everybody knew what they had to do, but you know that team was. You know, was was loose. They were confident. They were intense when they had to be intense. And you know, yeah, as the game went on, you could feel the intensity. But there was always guys, you know, that you know that had that personality to keep guys loose and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, uh, now let's go to the seventh inning. There, the Yankees rally. Uh, they got a couple of men on base, uh, two outs. You you come to the plate, and you know, take take us through that at bat. You know, fa- facing Mike. Well, I had fouled a ball off my foot before, you know, uh, in spring training, and I had a blood clot. So I didn't wear my guard that day. And during batting practice, I asked Mickey if I could borrow his bat. I was struggling a little bit. So during the time that I was hitting, I had I cracked it. It had a hairline crack. So when I fouled the ball off my foot, I went back to the on-deck circle, and, you know, Bob had pinched it for Doyle. And we didn't have any more infielders because Randolph was hurt. So... I was worried about the, the my leg, and as I was standing there, Rivers came up to me and goes, hey, homie, he says, that's the wrong bat. He says, you got the one that's cracked. 
And I wasn't paying attention to him. I was worried more about my leg. And uh, Mike Torres said that he didn't throw any warm-up pitches the whole time because he didn't think it was going to take that long. So um, when I started back to the plate, the bat boy, you know, came up and I wasn't paying attention. He just said, hey, Mickey said that's the wrong bat, and he gave me the bat. And I stepped in the box, and the first pitch Mike threw me uh, was a fastball a little bit in and down. And uh, I knew I hit it pretty good, but I didn't see it go out because there was a shadow on the wall. And I was running real hard from home because I wanted to get to second if the ball bounced off the wall. I know this is a corny term, but it, and how did it feel? I mean, what did it, it had to be complete elation when that ball went over the fence. And at what point did you know for sure it was gone? Is when when Stremski kind of kneeled down and looked down, and, and at what point did you know it was gone? And just explain the the euphoria you felt in your body running around the bases. Well, when I rounded first base, I saw the second base umpire signal was a home run, and then I looked out. And I saw Yastrzemski kind of like he was buckled over, you know. And, you know, everybody asked me, what were you feeling? And the only thing I, I tell them is that, hey, we're ahead, you know. I mean, I hit a three-run homer to put us ahead. And I do remember around in third base how quiet Fenway was. You know, you could hear the Yankee fans. But, uh, you know, as I touched the plate and ran back, you know, the guys were out. And I could hear the Yankee fans, you know, cheering and stuff like that. But, other than that, you know, I, I just said, hey, we're ahead. But, you know, we had three more innings to go, and Boston had a great lineup. Okay, so you got the lead 3-2, to um, three to two, and then eventually it's 5-2. Reggie hits a home run, and you guys have that lead. And Goose comes in, and, and in 78, Goose struggled a little bit. He struggled initially in the beginning of the season, uh, and this is when pitchers, relief pitchers pitched more than, than three batters or three outs, for, for that matter. You know, the Goose went, uh, what was it, uh, two and a third innings there? And, yeah. And, you know, the, the lead was starting to slip away. It was 5-4 in the ninth inning. And you know, take us into the ninth inning as the Red Sox were rallying, and one of the one of the big plays there too was was the base hit that Remy got that Pinella couldn't see anything in the outfield, and, and miraculously, you know, Lou, you know, wasn't necessarily athletic at that time, made an incredible play to really save the tying run. Take us, you know, first go, going into the bottom of the ninth inning with that lead, and and you know, holding on there in that big play that Pinella made. Well, Pinella made two great plays. He made one earlier in the game in the third inning, uh, Freddie Lynn hooked a slider in the corner, and the sun was really brutal that day. It was a crystal clear day, and, you know, Pinella was in right field, and, and Pinella was a really good outfielder. He didn't run fast, but he got great jumps, and he had great instincts, and he knew how to play the hitters. And I'll never forget him saying early in the game in the third inning, he knew Gidry was pitching on short days rest, and he didn't have his real good breaking ball. So he had happened to move over a little bit at that moment when Lynn hooked that slider and, and he wound up making the play. But in the ninth inning, you know, Goose uh, came in in the seventh and he was starting to tire a little bit, you know, the intensity and, you know, in the game. And, um, and then when Burleson got on, you know, Remy hit that line drive and Lou came in and kind of lost it in the sun. And Burleson didn't know what to do. And he stopped at second base. He didn't go to third, which was huge. And Pinella you know, caught the ball, he threw it in real quick, and um, and then, of course, Jim Rice came up next and hit a long fly ball to right center, I think it would, it would have tied the game up if Burleson would have kept going. And then I remember the last out, you know, was Gossage against Jastrzemski. And, um, you know, Goose had that knack because I played with him my whole career. I started with him in 70. He had that knack. He was a big, hard thrower, and he could reach back and get a little bit more when he wanted to, and 
I'll never forget the fastball he threw Yastrzemski. He reached back and got just a little bit more, and that ball kind of jumped a little bit, and it was right down the middle, and Yastrzemski was a little bit late and popped it up to third. I heard the story about that Munson wasn't even giving him signs. He was just waving him on, bring, bring it, big boy. Is that true? Yeah, he used to do that a lot. He wouldn't even give a sign. He would just, like, motion, bring it. Come on, just bring, bring me your best stuff. So when the, when the ball's in the air, is it or actually before the pitch? I mean, do you want the ball hit to you at that point, or you just want it to somebody else? <laughs> well, you know, I, I joke around. You know, people say, well, "What were you thinking when you're standing out there? Don't hit the ball to me." <laughs> you know, but I I knew if he hit it to me, I was going to catch it. You know, you just you know uh, you, you know you're just hoping that uh, you know you get him out. Did he hit a ball to whoever? You know, we had good defense, so. Um, if they hit the ball on the ground, you know, we had Nettles, myself, and Stanley, and, and uh, Chambliss. So, you know, we knew we, you know, we would catch the ball if they hit it on the ground. But uh, I was so elated when the, when the ball was popped up. I, I can't and, and once the game is over, there had to be a feeling of complete relief. And at that point, you guys had to feel unstoppable. Oh, my God. It was just like, uh, you know, the pressure of somebody like just like, wow. But, you know, we, we couldn't. We couldn't celebrate too long because we had to get on a plane and go to Kansas City and, and start the playoffs there, and they were another good team that we had to go through. But, you know, to beat Boston in Boston in one of the greatest games ever played and be a part of history, uh, you know, I just thank God every day that I got an opportunity as a kid dreaming in the backyard that I get an opportunity to play in, in some big games and play for the Yankees, and I got to do it all. And 78 uh, ALCS, uh, Yankees take the Royals three out of four, but – Man, you guys had to go against George Brett, and I remember the game Catfish pitched. Uh, he hit three home runs off of Catfish uh, in that playoff game. Yeah, but that was Catfish. You know, he he would you know he would give a solo home run here and there, but when a game was on the line, he he you weren't going to beat him. He he was going to he was such a professional, and you know he he knew what he was doing. And uh, he was a tremendous competitor. And in that game, Thurman Munson had the really the, the game-winning home run. There uh, went out over four thirty, over four thirty fence uh, sign had to be at four hundred and sixty feet, and that was like Munson's, you know, his last great launch really uh, of his life. Yeah, I mean that that when he hit that ball, it almost like it just. I was sitting there, and when he hit it, and I go, that ball was going out, and it just like it kept going and going and going. And uh, it's, it's, it's one of those moments, you know, you talk about where you just don't forget, you know, and I'll never forget that ball he hit. It went in the, it went in the you know, out there where the monuments were. And the 78 World Series, of course, you're trying to defend your title, and the first two games are out in L.A., and the Dodgers took it, and there was a great battle in Game 2 between Bob Welch and Reggie Jackson. Uh, Bob Welch got the upper hand. What do you remember about that battle between Welch and Jackson? <laughs> well, Reggie blamed me for running on a three. I, I remember that. He, he said that the runner was distracting me, right? So he's blaming yeah, you. Go, yeah, what am I supposed to do? Stand there three and two, you know? So, but, uh, yeah, he, you know, that was a big moment. Uh, but, you know, coming back on the plane, you know, everybody was loose, you know, and Munson, I remember him joking around going, you know what? They didn't pick us to win when we were 14 down. They didn't pick us to beat the Red Sox. They didn't pick us to beat Kansas City. We're two down. We got Gidry pitching. We're going to go home, win game three, we're going to win four straight. And that's what we did. And the big one, of course, game three, uh, the performance by Greg Nettles is to this day outside of Brooks Robinson, uh, one of the greatest performances by a third baseman. That was the turning point really in the series uh, and the amount of runs that, that uh, Nettle saved for, for Gidry in that game, and, and, you, and you guys took game three. What a performance, huh? 
what a performance. I mean, just, you know, when Gidry pitched, I didn't get many balls. They either hooked him to third or they, they hit him, you know, uh, to the outfield. I mean, uh, you know, he had that hard slider and he threw real hard. And, uh, uh, but, you know, just uh, watch Nettles make those plays at third base and, uh, you know, uh, was, was, was really something. And one of the significant plays in that World Series was, was of course, uh, Bill Russell's throw that hit Reggie Jackson that infuriated the Dodgers and Tommy Lasorda, and, and that really helped you guys win that, win that series at home. Oh, yeah, smart play. I mean, smart play, and, uh, you know, Reggie was a smart player, and, uh, uh, you know, he threw his hip out there, the ball hit him, and, uh, uh, you know, we just, we just kept rolling after that. Uh, the the amazing thing I always say about that World Series, you look at the guys. When, when the last out was made in that outfield, you had Bl- uh, Paul Blair, Gary Thomason, and Jay Johnstone were in the outfield. Doyle batted four thirty eight, but you you man batted four seventeen. Shortstop of the New York Yankees, and you won Series MVP. Uh, how did how did that turn around for you that, so fast? Well, great feeling, you know. But there was a you know a couple guys had good World Series. Brian Nettles, you know. I mean, uh, I just feel you know very honored that I I got got the award. But you know, it was like I say, you know, something you dream about as a kid. Uh, a lot of my dreams came true: playing for the Yankees, playing in the World Series, uh, hitting a big home run, and winning the Most Valuable Player. You know, I mean, it just that kind of topped it off, and you know that. That team was in was a great team, and that was a great year. And there's a lot of people to today that don't ever forget it. 